Let's hear some of that movie chat. Credits roll by and I tip my hat. Credits roll by, wanna know more right away. Let's have some of that movie chat. Credits roll by, tell me who did that. Life in the credits is where I wanna play. Welcome to Life in the Credits. This is the show where we learn about movies by chatting with people who work in the industry. I'm Susan. And I'm Ben. And today we're discussing the film Harold and Maude. Yes. And joining us today is our special guest, actor Jen Landon. So welcome, Jen. Hey, Jen. Hey, hi. Hey, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, we're super stoked to talk to you today, yeah. Jen. Can you tell us a little bit, what do you do in the entertainment industry? Uh, I am an actor. I've been at it professionally on and off for 16 years. I've officially become so old that when I saw in the trades yesterday an announcement about assistants who had been up to agents at my agency, I didn't see the headline and I just saw the photos and I thought it was like an announcement for the new cast of Stranger Things. (laughs) (laughs) All of the agents look like children to me now. Yeah. That was a moment for me. (laughs) (laughs) So can you tell us what are the different types of acting you've done? What are some of the projects you've worked on? Yeah. I just have to say the snoring is my dog in the background. Just in case people hear this like grouse. That's okay. You're going to test my editing skills. Yeah, if I can take them out. (laughs) I think we leave it in and just come up with like alternate versions of who's snoring. (laughs) I started out on a, in the soap world when I was in my early twenties, I was in theater school at NYU. And then I ended up going into this three-year contract on a soap that ended up being a bit longer than that. And then I took some time off, but currently I'm on the show Yellowstone that's on Paramount and I'm doing, I'm also on the show FBI Most Wanted, which is a Dick Wolf show. Um, And that's actually been really, really, really a wonderful job. That's awesome. I have to say, I mean, it's, I respect the procedural format. I'm not a huge watcher of Mm -hmm. them, but it's been really creatively rewarding to work on that show. Yeah. And Dick Wolf's famous for all the law and order. uh, Oh my God. Yeah. He's created his own. I don't know if it's now like a a multiverse even like, I mean, there are shows within shows and they cross over and I'd, I'd done Chicago Med before, but just one episode, which is also his. He's got the Chicago shows, yeah. the New York shows. I don't know if he has LA shows. Yeah, I don't know. I do feel like he could probably make his own streaming service now, now just based on the content <laughs> he's created, though. Yeah, they just <laughs> did this amazing crossover episode of so there's FBI mm-hmm. and FBI Most Wanted, two separate shows, and they were launching a third show, FBI International. And oh, wow. so a crossover episode to introduce this new show which is oh really my God. wow that's exciting that's cool i had nothing to do in <laughs> still cool so you mentioned doing a three-year contract with a soap opera yeah. um is that how the contracts with soap operas normally work i do think it's three years they've got every 13 weeks they have the right to fire you i think Wow. Oh my God. Like every 13 weeks, I feel like we would all get indigestion. <laughs> but yeah, I I was hired just as a day player. Oh, okay. It was my first theatrical audition as an adult. And I got it, which was a great thing and also a terrible thing. Yeah, I guess that really sets you up 
with unrealistic expectations for later auditions. <laughs> yeah, it 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 messed. So it was this. It was a day player. So I booked the the first audition for you know a guest star or whatever, and then they turned that into a three year contract based on what I had done that day. <laughs> so yay, great. Yeah, for three years and do all that stuff. But then I don't audition the whole time that I'm there. And when I finally leave the show and I start auditioning and I start not getting jobs, yeah. my I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing something so wrong, which I probably was, but I wasn't doing something that wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to justify the tailspin that that's <laughs> into yeah. for a few years after wrapping that show right that would be a pretty big um I don't know if reality checks the right word but just like oh whoa like I don't, certainly a life yeah. change yeah it was it, it's a mat yeah it was a massive change and um it was definitely like the dark night of the soul period of my life oh, no <laughs> but it was a great learning experience yeah well that's good <laughs> Yeah, it was great. Everybody, everybody needs at least one of those. Right. Sure. Absolutely. One thing I wondered about soap operas, the schedule for a soap opera seems way more intense to than other projects to me, at least, because I feel like, do you have to learn a whole, a new script every single day? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So we did. So I was there for a little over three years. We shot, I believe, like 49 to 50 weeks a year. Yeah. Which is unheard of. Yeah, that's wild. Wolf shows are also incredibly hard. Those are 10 months. Wow. Right. The hours aren't insane on a soap. I'd get there at 6 a.m. and you're out by 6 p.m., 6.30 p.m. Okay. But we would shoot for a while. We're doing six episodes in four days. Wow. Even at five episodes in four days, I think you're looking at around 80 pages a day. Wow. Mm -hmm. For the whole show. And there were periods of time where I'd be consistently doing 35 pages a day. Wow. And yes, you would be learning a new script and then some every night. Yeah. How many takes do you guys do? <laughs> Ooh, there's no takes. Uh, <laughs> Every show has it set up a little bit different. We, the, as the world turns was there was a morning block and a PM block. You would dry block in a, you know, a room with fluorescent lights, write down your blocking, get your cuts. And then you would go down. I think on that one, we would do one run for cameras and it's a three camera setup. Mm -hmm. And for another one, I think you shot the rehearsal. Wow. You shot the rehearsal? And they do that actually now more and more in, in other things as well. I think on Yellowstone, we would sh we've shot the rehearsal. Okay. And sometimes we've shot a rehearsal without blocking, which is really risky, but it can be <laughs> great for scenes that are supposed to be a mess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to just do it. Yeah. How does that differ from then being on a show like Yellowstone or FBI Most Wanted, which you said is kind of similar to soaps? What is, what's the different process there? It's not like a soap in the shooting sense at all. Okay. The page count is way less you're doing. Yeah. It depends anywhere. I think, I feel like an eight and a half page day is a big day. Yeah. Maybe a 10 page day would be a massive day. Yellowstone, I think sometimes if it was a elaborate scene, you're looking at like three pages. Wow. And then the big difference as an actor from the inside out is getting used to 
the soap three camera, which sitcoms are three camera. And I'm not exactly sure how those work because I've not done one. When you're on Yellowstone, Animal Kingdom, which is a great show that I worked on a lot, Banshee, you know, the rest of it, mm-hmm. you start in a wide often. You've got your wide coverage yeah. and then you start to punch in or you'll kind of go the, you'll go from in to out depending yeah. on where you're at emotionally and the director's ability to read that. Um, but usually it's wide and then to close up and kind of changing your performance and gauging where you're at was a big thing. It took me like until this year for me <laughs> to realize that on the wide, I don't have to be doing what I'm doing on the close up. <laughs> that it, I'm kind of figuring it out. Yeah. And that is the rehearsal process. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to come in with it really set because on the soap, you just, you got to do it on the first one. And in theater, you, you have to do it at the time. Yeah. And then also the thing that is still, I'm amazed by like, just really feeling like I'm at liberty to improvise and knowing when I'm working, like I'm, I just shot a movie and we started rolling and the other actor, one of the other actors who's amazing is just like improvising left and right. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Like, this is the thing where you could probably do that. <laughs> Coming from so much episodic TV, you would get reprimanded for doing something yeah. like that. You know, it's like, don't change a single word. Right. right. I imagine, especially a soap opera where they don't have time to like fix a lot of things, it seems like. so. Yeah, that you don't want to like fly around. I mean, you are improvising somewhat. Yeah. You're saying the gist of a thing because you're doing 40 pages. Right. Right. But more in the sort of like network TV world, depending on which show, but a lot of those shows, it's like, no, say, say that exactly as we wrote it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting. On a show like Yellowstone, where you're playing teeter, your, your character is so dialect heavy, right? Do they let you improvise on that show? Or are they like, here's what we want you to do? And is it very specific? So Teeter's written phonetically. She doesn't talk a lot. Mm -hmm. When she does, all of that dialogue is written phonetically. And I didn't feel free to improvise that first season at all. I was really intimidated. And then the second season that I shot, the fourth season for the show, the second season for me, I felt way freer to improvise. In fact, I think there's probably a ton of improvisation that won't make it in. And that was twofold. I was more kind of confident and settled. And two, the writer showrunner was there. He wasn't there the first season that I shot. So the him being there the second season, I think at least for, at least for me was so liberating as an actor. Because the yes and no was coming directly there. You weren't looking for a director or a set of producers who were gauging what he may or may not want. And I mean, I'm not sure what the process is actually like for those directors and producers. As an actor, sometimes it's just, you can, you're like, well, you're going to know if it's a yes or no right now. Right. No one is worried that we're going to shoot this, get it. And then it's going to get sent off somewhere for somebody to be like, the f did you do yeah right right what's kind of your process for getting new projects um i assume you have like an agent what what is that process like of getting representation and then connecting to different projects in terms of getting projects it's a really traditional route for me it's agent manager i get the audition okay i now tape the audition 
I know a lot of people talk about uh, relationships and networking and who you know and whatnot. And all of that is true, depending on the kind of animal that you are. I am somebody who cannot do my job as well if I feel like there's some kind of relationship that helped me get there. So for me, the more kind of blue collar anonymous I can feel going into an audition or into something better yeah that's awesome and then getting an agent manager I met with maybe five or six agents in my early 30s trying to get signed and no one would sign me I do know what it's like to not be able to get representation and what was the game changer was and it's it's sort of a testament for just sort of hanging in there as an acting coach of mine was uh coaching people for this role on animal kingdom which was going to be a big recur she left me a voicemail and she was like you didn't hear it from me but there's a role on animal kingdom that you're perfect for get in on it. And I hadn't had an audition in six or seven months. I was going back to school for like neuroanatomy or something. I can't remember something I was signing up for. And um, I had almost booked a job on Southland through John Levy's office before. And I called my manager and I was like, get me in for this, like whatever we need to do. And he did. And I, again, one of those random things, hadn't had an audition in forever. It. Mm-hmm. And then all, all those agents that said no suddenly were willing to say yes. So that's how I got an agent. Yeah. yeah. So as an actor, how do you get into character? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a woman in LA named Leslie Kahn. And it's how I know Derek, who I know you has been on here. Yes. Yes. It, she was honestly, it was the only acting coach I've had where like she said things that I was just like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Which is just what is your character thinking? Because oftentimes in acting school, it's like it has to be active. What do they want? What do you want? Sometimes I know what I want. Sometimes I don't. As a yeah. person, I often don't know. So right. I couldn't execute that. Figuring out what my character thought was a way in. And then kind of merging that with the physical, because it's really one thing, right? That kind of helps. And then you get to kind of just be, you, you get, to, you bring more of yourself, which sometimes I think is what is all anybody really wants anyway. Yeah. They want that sincere. Alive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really quick. So Michelle, who. Hook this up. Yeah. She told us you're pretty good at karaoke. Do you have a go-to karaoke song? <laughs> Total Eclipse. <laughs> That's a great one. That is a great karaoke song. Love that one. You're like trying to do both parts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty that's a pretty good one. For reasons that I can't say, the next time I go to karaoke, I will be singing Stumbling In. It's a song that comes up pretty heavily on this this thing I just worked on. Just, okay. I'm addicted to that song and I recommend it. Yeah. Listen to it. yeah, Susan's a big karaoke fan. I as love well. karaoke. Uh, it's not one of my I'm, favorite activities, but Susan loves it. I'm not a great singer, but still really fun. What's your go-to song? Susan? <laughs> I usually do uh this kiss by Faith Hill. That's my go-to. I'm I'm really here for that. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I did karaoke was on Halloween a couple yeah. years ago, and I went as the dog from Duck Hunt. Um, so I was wearing this big dog costume and I sang who let the dogs out, but 
I was wearing a giant costume and they couldn't hear you me couldn't hear anything through the costume. <laughs> so people thought I went up there and was just dancing and not singing. And With- my, my friends booed me. <laughs> okay, that's sort of brilliant. <laughs> well, do you have any moments from your career where it's either a moment where you're like, I can't believe this is what I get to do every day. This is so amazing. Or I can't believe that this is my job right now. That happens all the time. It really does. I think part of being an actor, and maybe this isn't true for everyone, but like part of it, you start working a lot. I've been lucky that I've been working pretty much nonstop lately. And it's never what you thought it was going to be. It's never, it's never the beautiful, magical thing. And I say that with the caveat that in that, in the, in those, there's always those moments where all of a sudden it's like grunt work, grunt work, grunt work. And there's, then you get in this like flow state place or, you know, on Yellowstone, I'm riding a horse out of a, out of a pen, you know, at a gallop for the first time. And I'd never galloped a horse until I was on camera Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) or just a moment between another actor and you where the moments open up within the moment so much that there's nuance that you're like, oh, this is really neat now. Now we're doing a whole other thing. But those kind of pinch yourself moments, yeah. Seeing a scene with Hugh Jackman in Jason Reitman movie was a pinch yourself moment. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Recently, I had to do a Zoom just character discussion with an actress who literally is one of my film goddesses I was so nervous and then a big one for me was a stage actress who when I was in my 20s I would see anything she was in so amazing she works in tv and film too and I booked this job uh I'll say who it is um I booked this job on the show Hellstrom which I don't know it's doing Mm -hmm. going I don't know if it got another season but it's Elizabeth Marvel absolutely obsessed uh with her as an actress and I when I got the job I was like oh god please don't let it don't let it be with Elizabeth Marvel like I'm gonna die like I'll die (laughs) and um I got to set and I was like don't totally be obsessed with her and of course I did the first thing um and then we shot the scene it was very quick the character was supposed to have to do have more to do in the season that I think never comes but I'm standing there doing this scene with her and it's brief. She's really good. I'm fine. And for a moment, I was in a world that was so far, like, away. Yeah. Um, and she was so awesome. And then, like, on top of it, we just had this really kind of lovely connection and stay in touch. Yeah. So that was a pinch yourself moment. That's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, what advice do you have for people who are interested in getting into acting? Just do it. I know there's that there's a lot of people who are like, make sure you really want to do it, you know, before you do it, because you know it's hard work and all that yeah. stuff. And it's like, okay, fine. What, the only way you're gonna know if you really want to do it is if you do it. You know, right. Don't quit your day job. In fact, another piece of advice is don't quit your day job. Right. <laughs> Have something else. Um, even if you reach a point where you're fortunate enough to make enough money that you don't need a day job, have mm-hmm. something else. Always have something else. Otherwise, you put too much pressure on it. It becomes too precious. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think that's great advice. 
let's get to our featured film. Today we're discussing the 1971 romantic comedy Harold and Maude. The screenplay was written by Colin <laughs> Higgins and was directed by Hal Ashby. It stars Bud Court, Ruth Gordon, and Vivian Pickles. It was nominated for two Golden Globes, uh, Best Actress in a Motion Picture Comedy or Musical and a Best Actor in a Motion Picture Comedy or Musical. Before we get into it, Susan, can you give us a quick breakdown? What's this movie about? Yeah, um, I will say this is a romantic comedy. Is a dark. I think it's pretty dark romantic comedy. But yeah, we meet Harold, who's this maybe depressed. He's just a very solitary guy. And I think he's 19 or 20 at the beginning of the movie. He has some pretty dark interests. He really likes to fake his own suicide. He drives a hearse. He's very kind of fixated on death. He goes to a lot of funerals and that of people he does not know. Um, and at one of these funerals, he meets Maud. Um, and Maud is this woman, she's almost 80, very free spirited, very much she's gonna do what she wants and she wants to experience everything. And she decides she's gonna be friends with Harold. So she meets him at a funeral. She offers him some black licorice. They be, uh, strike up a friendship. Uh, it does turn romantic. Um, it's just a really like beautiful story about how she shows Harold like, hey, you can, you can face your life. You don't have to, I don't know, isolate yourself, but it, you can, and you can be yourself and you can have these interests because Harold also has not a great relationship with his mom. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's, I think we should jump in and talk about it. So All right. There's a lot to talk about. So Jen, you picked this movie for us to watch. Why did you choose this one? I chose it because it's been one of my favorite movies my whole life. I saw it when I was very young. I, my older brother, showed it to me when I was six. Um, oh, wow. Probably not the target demographic for this movie. I was movie. so into it, and I wonder if it's why I've been inclined to date older people ever since. Um, Maybe. I do think I he showed it to me, though, after I already had a crush on Robert Stack. Okay. On Solved Mysteries. I was really... Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Voice. <laughs> uh-huh. But I have been working on this script that I'll never finish for years that uh, is based on a friendship in my own life, but the kind of template that I've, that inspired, that I realized there's so much, so many similarities was Harold and Maude. Um, And this kind of notion and this relationship of a rather eccentric older woman coming along and kind of like blowing my world open in terms of aliveness and what you can do and you know things you know even down to just like doing things that you're like you can't do that that's illegal like right (laughs) who's gonna stop me anyone (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah this is a wild wild movie um and it's came out in 1971 it starts off with some very dark tones but then it gets quite funny throughout throughout the thing um, his his uh, fake suicides um, really escalate, and when right. he when he starts doing them in front of the the dates that his right. mother brings, so over, great. Um, yeah, they get really funny. It's um, it's amazing because it is an incredibly eccentric, quirky movie, but it's also structurally perfect. It yeah. really is. I mean, almost like if you look at like a template for you know what's supposed to happen you know on this page and where's the break into two and your mid it's almost down to the page down to the page number and i was looking up this morning colin higgins is that the writer's name Mm -hmm. yes he must have written it in his mid late 20s the movie came out when he was 30 
Wow. He unfortunately passed away, I think, at 47. So he wrote that movie when he was really, really young. Um, wow. And Hal Ashby has directed three of my top 15 movies, Coming Home and Being There in this. Yeah, and this movie's really well directed. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some very interesting shots. I really love, you know, there's the shots of, of you know, the flowers when they're in the garden talking about the different yeah. flowers. There's the shots uh, at the cemetery. Um, even the shots where they're walking out of a funeral and Maud's the only one holding a brightly colored umbrella. Isn't that amazing? So yeah, to talk about just like shots. So the opening of the movie, that whole opening scene, Harold, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how they how much they rehearsed that because that is a one sh- that's a one shot. That is one continuous oh, wow. shot set to a Cat Stevens song. And I was yeah. imagining, because, you know, that pacing even of his steps and the opening going down the steps, slow, slow, fast, fast, fast. There's yeah. so much musicality throughout the movie. And he, I hadn't realized that Hal Ashby, all of the music has an organic source point in the scenes, but he does it in a way that's invisible and not distracting and doesn't bog the movie down. Like it isn't like, he's not staking his claim on that choice, which some newer directors do and it annoys me for some reason. I'm like, come on, it's like, all right, we get it. (laughs) Only organic sources of music, good for you. Cat Stevens did the music for this, right? Yeah. So, and all that music really stands out because he's a very distinctive mm-hmm. uh, and song not Hal choice. Ashby's yeah. first choice. Oh, it really? Was somebody else who was his first choice, and then I don't know how it came around to that. But when she sits down at the piano at the, yeah. in the middle of the movie and starts singing, "If you want to sing out, sing out. If you want to be free, there's a. I mean, it's like she wrote the song, right? right. Yeah. Right. It sounds like she's just making song it up. That she or, plays yeah. in her house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. And I love that she gets up and starts dancing because the, mm-hmm. the piano was playing it the whole time. Like she wasn't <laughs> actually, you think she is, but then it's not. It's such a funny moment. So many, so like so many like weird things that jump out in that movie because I was just re-watching it. The therapy scenes, right? And yes. they're shot really so that it's a it's a mirror image. Totally mm-hmm. like um symmetrical shot he he's wearing the exact same yes yeah, they're wearing the same yes. suit like yeah <laughs> every time it's so yeah, interesting and it's like yeah those sessions are sort of just like being alone you mm. know like except i think there is a tie variation on the therapy scene when he's now laying on the bed i think right. that, the wrong way opposite of <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but just so many things. And then what about the guy who plays the traffic cop? It's just so amazing that he shows up as the tr- Tom Skerritt, Tom Skerritt, or yeah. Tom Skerritt, however you pronounce his name, you know, and he's amazing in it. Just um, even the detail of like, this is a guy where nothing works. Mm-hmm. Like, just everything fails on him. <laughs> Um, and it feels like Hal Ashby in general sort of loves those sort of flubs again in the yeah. opening scene, like the lighter not working or like right. Harold, a set piece was kind of in his way. 
Um, yeah, I think it's kind of a perfect movie. And then of course, he he also does this amazing thing where he doesn't bog us down with information. There's uh -huh. questions that that remain unanswered. Um, yeah. You know when Maud is talking about the the her you assume her husband her boyfriend husband lover who's the doctor, right? You know, um, and there's a huge pause, and you just can you just project everything right. that might be, and then how quickly he hits the the Holocaust, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it's just a flash, and they don't yeah. ever talk about it. You could almost, I mean, you'd almost miss it. Right. Right. Yeah. So, if, yeah. If you and if you weren't familiar with that imagery, yeah, you definitely could. But yeah, I love that the movie doesn't overexplain it. Right. They, he gives so much privacy to things that would be so heavy that we wouldn't be able to handle them as an audience. So right. there's like a kind of levity that allows the poetry to exist, and at least for me, like I cry watching that movie but i cry in a way that is thankful as opposed mm -hmm. to like i don't know why this is coming to mind but that movie of rust and bone that came out a few years ago it was like i was like if one more bad thing happens in this movie, yeah now like I thank you <laughs> for what you've done to me yeah right you know the, the, the way he makes that uh mod's death montage yeah. sequence between what's happening in the hospital and also Harold driving after. So you get a sense that there is an after and yeah. you know, you, you, he shoots, he shoots him from the back when he finds out about Maude and the fact that you don't hear all the dialogue, like it's just right. Yeah. It's really, it's really, really well, well done. done. Yeah. And you know, you don't, you don't see what happens to Ma, but you know, right? right. I mean, it, it's so the imagery is so strong. He's driving through the rain, yeah. you know. And then, spoiler alert, to end oh, the movie. Um, no, that's no, okay. okay. We, 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 we need to talk about the right. end. Right, we need to talk about the end. <laughs> but, you know, the, the end of the movie that he ends with a fake suicide, right? Like, you actually think maybe he did drive off the cliff. Right. Um, but then the fact that he's he's not up there, it's like, of course, that's a fake suicide because that's what he's been doing the whole movie. Right, right. And it's, and and also, like, there were things, like, I really wanted to rip the ass out of this for this podcast. You know, at the end, the car that gets demolished is the car that his mother gave him that yeah. he adapted into a hearse so that it which is awesome. awesome. So it could be more appropriate to him. Yeah. But he just demolished that car. And in a weird way, like the feeling I got was like, that's right. Like you don't have to take any of the things your parents gave you that aren't right yeah. for you, that you modified yeah. to work for you. Like, right. and then he busts out that banjo mm -hmm. and he starts playing. Yeah. Um, kind of dancing kind of dancing yeah, yeah and he's i mean there are yeah there are just so many beautiful beautiful moments and all of the casting is so great i found myself looking up all of the actresses that played the were they like computer dates computer dates yeah like, yeah throw to the future right, right. <laughs> the world that we live in now yeah <laughs> and like and oh to go back to something that i just like the nuance 
And the kind of complexity is when Harold's mother, who's like despicable, right? In so many ways, um, is filling out the questionnaire for him. I mean, for her, her, she's like such a profoundly narcissistic mother. Um, Even like Harold's description of her reaction when she thought he lied at school. Um, But when the question around, should a female be president? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I don't see why not. Of course. Like, this isn't an awful person. Just right. an awful right. mother. Right. For him in yes. particular. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That question, I was shocked when she said her answer. And I was like, oh, I now I have to look at this character differently because I had a whole opinion about her. And yeah. <laughs> just such a little part of the script changes that. Just right. because I want everybody to see this movie if they have. Like, yeah. we can't skip over the uncle character. Yeah, you're right. The amputated something mm-hmm. arm. Yeah, yeah he, he's an army, army general. general. Yeah. Uh, he was he was MacArthur's right hand man, is how she described him. <laughs> yeah, what a weird character. And yes. you know, of course, Harold and Maud, you know, hatch a plan to make sure he doesn't get drafted in the army mm-hmm. um, that she helps him with. And that's that's quite a, a funny scene. But I love the scene at the end where he's getting lectured right. for their relationship by the uh, quote unquote authorities being his uncle, being the yeah. army, who has, of course, you know, the, the Nixon photo behind him. Yeah. And then there's his therapist. the therapist who has Freud <laughs> oh, behind him. Right. And then there's the priest who has the Pope behind yeah. him. It's such a funny, well-directed scene about that relationship. Yeah. I kind of wish that I knew how to clip movies so I could just put them on Instagram. That priest scene is yeah. one of the greatest acting performances. <sighs> to see him be so aroused by the thought yeah. of Harold while he's trying to reprimand. <laughs> no. Yeah, but also talk about how grossed out he is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and also just but, like the fact that yeah. like, I mean, what? That movie's what fifty years old now. Yeah, seventy-one. So, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly fifty years. Yeah, there's so many scenes like that in this movie that stand out. Even like you know when she's asking him, you know, what do you like to do when you're not going to funerals, and it directly smash cuts to a a building being demolished, yes. mm-hmm. and they're sitting there eating a picnic, you know, a junkyard, yeah. right? And yeah. and and then also to jump back to the moment when when you see the tattoo on her arm, and it's the moment. Mm-hmm that I think Harold tells, he says, I like, or she says, Harold, you make me feel like a schoolgirl. Yeah. It's like some kind of grody marsh near a yeah. freeway. And like the world yeah. is so beautiful inside of it. Yeah. Yeah. And she, that's also, she talks about the seagulls and how she's like, yeah, he thought they were glorious birds if they were just seagulls. But to me, they're still oh, glorious birds. Be, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then just another body of water moment when he he makes her the coin that says Harold loves yeah. Maud. She yeah. throws it. She's like the nicest right. thing anyone's ever given me. She goes that. So I'll I'll always know where it is. And it's like that's right. It's like in a weird way we should almost lose our possessions on purpose. So right. Know mm-hmm. where they are, and we don't have to spend our lives worrying about losing them. Right. And she even at the very beginning, she's like, "I don't get attached to stuff." You should, you know. She talks about like you just kind of have to. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Because she's, I mean, she's running around but stealing like, people's cars. But she likes to collect things. She, likes to collect <laughs> she says, "What are they? They're incidental, not 
Yeah. Incidental. Yeah. Line that's just, that's just so great. Right. Yeah. I love the way she drives. And then of (laughs) course, Harold sort of adopts her driving style later in the movie. Um, And even all the scenes with the police officers, the scene where she, uh, you know, she pulls up on the curb and they're talking about the tree and and the police start walking up and then she starts chatting them up and stealing a car and then, you know, right, right in front of them. Yeah. Yeah, there. This movie is full of just wonderful scenes. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, it's just really, it's heartwarming and all, and so I was just was shocked by how structurally tight it was. Yeah, it, it's structurally it's so traditional because it's not a traditional movie. No, not in terms at all. of content. And I mean, I think it's right at ninety minutes or ninety-one minutes or something. So yeah. it keeps moving along you know i mean every scene is important every scene Mm -hmm. matters there's no fat that needs to be trimmed um and it's really really well well made yeah and bud uh i mean ruth gordon of course is like unbelievable in it for her to be that girlish is like so amazing but bud court is incredible yeah he and he was so dead apparently he was like intense method actor He's still alive. I just don't, I just don't think he's actively acting the pool sequence where he's floating in the pool. Mm -hmm. That's another one shot and it's not short and that's him floating. And apparently he did it take, he was so committed. He would just, he did it take after take after take. And wouldn't, I don't know if they were going to probably pop a body, you know, a body double in there. Mm -hmm. Right. I do love the characters, you know, even though he deals with these like really dark suicidal um, jokes, they are all very funny. I love, I love when he's like waving to the date his mother wants to introduce him to and he walks over and sets on fire, but immediately walks in like fully suited up. It's such a funny That's like a magic trick, right? Speaking of magic. (laughs) the, The one that caught my attention today a lot for some reason was the one where he comes in, sits down, busts out some binaca, yeah, officer some, and the girl's like, no, and then immediately puts his arm on the table, pulls out a butcher knife, chops yeah. off, you know, his <laughs> quote unquote hand off. Like the combination of those two things. And yeah. then, you know, it is just to go back to structure. You know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, like save the cat thing, but the whole bad guys close in, you know, you've got the mother, the uncle, the dates. And it's like that the 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 last stop is sunshine. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in a weird way, if anyone was gonna be as match, it is sunshine. Right. I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, this girl is a little bit on his level. <laughs> so performs am I mis- her name is Sunshine, but she also performs at the Sunshine Theater. Yes, that's where she plays Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> that actress has my exact birthday. Oh, really? I'm, I have a thing about looking up Virgos, Hal Ashby's Virgo. Yeah. Oh, awesome. That's cool. I love the costumes in this film, the, too. Yeah. Amazing. And even like, again, the detail, like yeah, Harold's clothes are on point. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of scenes like that in this movie where everything's just so perfect. Mm-hmm. It feels like an, a Wes Anderson movie totally. before Wes Anderson. Totally. That's so interesting you say that. That's, yeah, 
I'm so glad you guys like that movie. I love, I love it so much. Yeah, I'd never seen it before, but I'd heard about it. Um, no, I had never seen it before today. Or we started it last night and then finished it this morning. But um, yeah, and so I'd only heard like jokes about it, but I was like, oh, this. I was like touched the whole time. There were quite a few times I teared up and was like, wow, this is like the messaging of this movie is so good. Like the themes and. Yeah. And 50 years later, it's still a taboo to have an older woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously this is extreme. Right. And, and it's like something that I'm obsessed with, not just like age gap in terms of it, an older woman in a romantic relationship, but like, what is soulmate? How do we decide that? Right. Like, you know, um, but yeah, I found myself so moved this time watching. It was a quick shot, but he's like, you know, they're like running through a field. He's yeah. like carrying yeah. or something. She's like, like piggyback ride, like having fun or whatever. And I just like started crying because it was like age doesn't get rid of that girlishness right. or our desire. Yeah. It made me very sad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 50 years later, we're still dealing with that as like right. massive taboo. Right. And it was also just, I loved that she was like, no, Harold, this is who you are. You, you know, I like going to funerals too. You, you can approach, like, she's like, oh, you can embrace life more, but also embrace what you want, be what you want. Don't, because right. his mom was so like trying to mold him into this perfect kid or perfect adult. Um, she's just like, no, you don't have to do any of that. Just do what you want to do. I'm going to steal this motorcycle. <laughs> so Jen, who would you suggest watch this movie? everybody susan who would you recommend this movie to i think everyone should watch it because i think it's just just the themes overall are i think people if they aren't too freaked out by some of the subject matter would really relate to the themes yeah everyone should watch this movie it's it's an entertaining film Mm -hmm. if you enjoy comedies uh, or if you just enjoy you know quirky stuff or if you just want to see a really well-made film that really brings together really great acting comedy costumes even you know the 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 car that's you know part jaguar part hearse is really well built all all really impressive actually yeah the whole movie is just it's a really well-made movie and um yeah check it out i'd like to finish up our show today with a game that we're calling oh i know this what's her name we're going to see how well both of you know the films of famous actors Jen, you're going to be teaming up with Susan. So here are the rules. I've given each of you a list of well-known actors. You will take turns describing the person's movies to each other as quickly as you can, but you cannot use the title of the film or the actual actor's name. You will have two minutes to get your partner to guess as many as you can. If you get seven correct, Jen will win our prize. And Susan, what's our prize? Um, our prize is a Life in the Credits t-shirt. So it's some merch. <laughs> yes! <laughs> All right. We can do this. Susan, are you ready? Yes. Jen, are you ready? I think so. Okay. okay. <laughs> I love the confidence. All right. I'll start with an easy one to get us. Your time will start as soon as Susan gives your first clue. All right. So in this, the movie This Man is in, we learned that life is like a box of chocolates. Tom Hanks. Yep. Correct. Okay. Um, she's in a Holocaust movie and she has to pick between her two children. Oh. Um, she, she, um, uh, she played the prime minister of England with an impressive uh, tooth rack. Um, is this Jillian She Flynn? has more Academy no. Awards than anyone on earth. Oh, um, 
um, Barbara, no, yeah, Barbara, no, um, oh um, my God. Uh, 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 she was in a movie about a military guy. Meryl yeah. Streep. Yes, Meryl, Meryl Streep. Sorry. Two points. All right, um, so this woman, um, she is famous for really her improv sketch comedy background, but she has had a show on NBC. She wrote a script um, in a movie with Lindsay Lohan. Yes, Tina Fey is yeah. correct, three um, points. Uh, 101 Dalmatians, now. Glenn Close, Next. or no, um, Emma Stone. Four points. Uh, okay. Oh, um, she was in a movie about dystopian society. Kids from each one kid from each district were picked to fight against Jennifer each other Lauren. based on a series. Yep. Yeah, five points. Um, uh, 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 Robin Hood, not Kevin Costner. Um, does voiceovers has an amazing voice? Is it Carrie? Oh no. Um, Carrie always. Is that how you say that? What else is he in? Um, he is the most amazing. 30 seconds. Oh God, I'm jumping on Terminator. Okay. Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Six points. Um, so uh, this woman, um, she's most famous for being a right now, well, not for most famous, but her most recent work now is being on a talk show with three other women, but she was in a, a, not, she was a nun. Um, no, she played a nun in a movie. Um, and they, and then lots, yes! they, yeah. Seven points, you got five seconds. Um, 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 hilarious actress and spy. Lead and spy. Oh, Melissa McCarthy. Yes. Yes. Well done. <laughs> oh my God, we still have two seconds left. No, you. Yeah, you were just. Okay. <laughs> you were just right there. You guys did it. Well done. Let's the, go uh, over the ones we couldn't do. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, um, the actor that you were trying to name, Susan, um, he was in The Dark Knight. He was in Invictus. Christian Bale. Nope. Um, he was in the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves movie. Yeah. Um, he right. was in, he's been in so oh, many I was thinking of Robin Hood. Oh, Times. I should have, we Shawshank narrator. That would have yeah. been Oh, um, it's Morgan. I couldn't, I was like, I feel like he's narrated every, no, you're right. Um, so I, you got Tom Hanks. Dwayne Johnson is one I did not. Um, I had Will Smith, okay. Anna Kendrick, uh, Matthew McConaughey, I didn't get to you, and Robert De Niro, I didn't get to Okay, you. I didn't get to Paul Rudd. I could have okay. given that. I didn't get to Halle Berry. I could have done that. Ryan Reynolds would have been hard for me. I would have had to say oh, Blake okay. Lively's husband. Yeah, husband. husband. Yeah. And um, Channing I Tatum, been... I would only oh. be able to be like, I know he's not Chris Pine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, Jen Landon, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, and this was great. This was fun. Before we let you go, would you like to plug anything? Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So FBI most wanted is airing right now. I recur on that show a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, it'll continue to be airing. It has aired for the last year. Yellowstone is coming up soon. The next season, that season's going to be really great. Um, I've got a bit for animal kingdom, um, in the final season, I pop back up in that and, um, Keep your eyes tuned down the line for a movie. I can't say more about it, but I play a okay. younger version of an iconic actress that we might have mentioned not that long ago on the show. Interesting. Cool. <laughs> That's very exciting. Yeah, it is. I'm going to plug two more things. Right, that People living in New York or in the New York area, there is a show playing right now called Dana H um, starring Deirdre O'Connell. I saw it when it was in LA at the Kirk Douglas Theater. It's the best thing I've seen in five years. Go, go see it. It's playing in rep at the Lyceum along with 
There's a Room, I believe it's called, starring Emily Davis, which I haven't seen, but uh, a brilliant playwright wrote it. So you could go see that too. And then my buddy, Jason Reitman's Ghostbusters is coming out soon. Yes. We'll definitely be in the theaters for that one. Yeah, very excited. Really fun. It looks really good. Well, Jen, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Life in the Credits is hosted and produced by me, Susan Swarner. And me, Ben Bloom. It's executive produced by Michelle Levin. The music is written and performed by Steve Trowbridge. You can hear more of Steve's music at TrowbridgeSounds.com. The show logo is created by Melissa Durkin. If you'd like to support Life in the Credits and get access to exclusive perks, you can do so at Patreon.com. If you'd like to follow or get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Life in the Credits or shoot us an email at lifeinthecredits at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Pearl, can you stop licking the bread? <laughs> like it's not my dog. It's 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 my sister. <laughs> <laughs>